And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch. From growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. So look, if you want to be an entrepreneur and you want to own a business and you want to start something that's bigger than you, I'm going to guarantee you that you are going to go through a lot of failure, like a whole lot. We love talking about that here on Startup Hustle. Why? Because you learn a lot more from failure than you often learn from winning. So we're going to say we're going to talk about using failure to your advantage. I have an absolutely A-plus person to have this conversation with today. And before I mention who that is and introduce him, today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is diff difficult and Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has a platform to help you manage that team. Go to Fullscale.io to learn more. There's a link in the show notes for that. And there's going to be a whole bunch of other links in there because my guest today is Gregory Shepard, and Gregory is the co-founder of Boss Capital Partners, the co-founder of Boss Startup Science, a soon-to-be author, uh, a Forbes radio show guest and host and all of that. And there's a whole bunch of links. You can go to bosscapitalpartners.com, gregoryshepard.com, bossstartupscience.com. There are a whole lot of links in the show notes that are going to make it even easier. But the easiest thing that I'm probably going to do today is say, Gregory, welcome to Startup Hustle. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I've been looking forward to this. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to hearing. You've done so much amazing stuff, man. Why don't we just get, let's start this conversation with your own backstory. So it's kind of interesting, you know, um, <clears throat> I have autism and uh, dyslexia. So I have like neuro, uh, neurodivergent, there's seven of neurodivergent things that I have. So I sort of see the world a little differently. Um, and that has, in the beginning of my life, it was really painful going to special ed classes and getting beat up all the time. <laughs> um, but then it really paid off when I started building businesses. So I built 12 companies, exited all 12 of them, um, won four private equity awards for transactions between 250 and a billion. Uh, two companies went to eBay. Um, let me see, TEDx Talk, the book, the radio show, you know, I don't know, like 100 articles, something like that. But a lot of things, anyway, I, I kind of always feel self-conscious when I'm talking about myself. It feels so weird. <laughs> so, I mean, you get the idea. It's well, you mentioned uh, a soon to be author uh, sharing and that love and hate for literature. Um, I, you know, I did mention that the best part about a book is finishing it, but I found the hardest part about me. You mentioned talking about yourself. The hardest part about writing all three of my books was my own bio. Yeah, it's tough. I, yeah, my editor did it for me. I was like, wow, why am I not able to do this? Now, let me back up. Did you say you started 12 companies and exited them? Yeah. Yeah. That's I'll, gotta I'll, be a record on the show. Yeah. I mean, people say that a lot. That's why I started the school about startup science. Cause I was like, I went into politics after, um, I sold the last company to eBay and I, I got out of the handcuffs 
that they gave me. I was the CTO and CSO for eBay Enterprise. And then um, they it turned into Pepper Jam and then they, uh, I had to stick around for three years and I got out and I was like, I want to give back to entrepreneurs. I want to give back to entrepreneurs. So I became the chairman for congressional candidates and senators and stuff. And then that didn't work. So I started to take it on my own and that's what I'm doing now. So when we talk about using failure to your advantage and thanks for sharing the, the, you know, beginnings of, you know, kind of being picked on and stuff like that. I, yeah. I think that there's a lot of listeners that might've listened to this show forever and haven't heard me say that, uh, well, I, I am not autistic, but my ADHD as a child was so out of control that, um, you know, like I was like, they'd like make me sit in the corner. And I was told over and over and over again that I was a failure. Yeah, and, they told me that too. And they said, you're stupid and you're, yeah. you, need, you need to go into construction and dig ditches. And I was they, like, no. They didn't always say, they didn't use the, the phrase stupid. It was, it was more of being perplexed huh. of like, wow, if we could get this kid to pay attention for more than three seconds, we might be able to do something. But, you know, with that on a personal level, I carried that into, into my twenties and kind of had to go through a pretty, uh, you know, kind of a cleansing process in my own belief system, meaning self-belief Yeah, that was like, Hey, you know what? You can do anything and everything. I, you know, I dropped out of five colleges um, and you know, like, well, I mentioned to you before we hit record today, my company full scale got listed on the Inc 5,000. So I, I guess despite all those dropouts, I did all right. So, yeah, man, you did good. You did good. I mean, you know, I think a lot of us have a lot of us that had struggled as children, just because we didn't fit the standard operating system, um, are the same ones that seem to be really successful later in life for the same reason, you know, like we don't fit the same uh, operating system, but it's interesting, you know, that it's like when I did the study, so I did the study, right, about the failure rate. So I spent a half a million dollars in five people and it, it's still going. It went on, started in 2016. And I was trying to figure out why entrepreneurs were failing at 90%. Like, what was the reason behind this? Like, how could this be? And it's been the same since 2005. Like, how is that possible? How... How do our phones go from what we had in 2005 to now and the failure rate stays at 90%, you know, and it was crazy. What I learned is that it's not just it, more important was uh, how they were failing and when the win was a big deal, like, because you can't help an entrepreneur uh, navigate a minefield if they don't even know when they're going to be in the minefield, you know? So what, what were the results of the study? I mean, what was the, what was the, what was the why on that? There was like, so basically if you look at the top of the data, it'll say, uh, you know, ran out of money, right. Or, or didn't get funded or <laughs> wipe that one off. That's the reason they all fail in the end. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. And then, so you, so this is a, a, it's a good example, right. To use, cause it's so easily understandable, but so then I went in and I used the Toyota five Y's, right. So I'm like, okay, why did they run out of money? And then why, and then why, and why again. And then that started to uncover the real truth. So then what I did is I did 1,200. Well, now it's past that. I, originally, I did 1,200 uh, interviews, one-on-one uh, -on -one interviews, and recorded them all, and then had to try to transcribe and put it into a spreadsheet, and then came up with all these uh, different theses on why the entrepreneurs were failing, when and how they were failing. 
And it was really fascinating because so about 58% of them fail within the first year and then the other, uh, the rest of them fail in the second part. So this is a five year uh, period of time that the 90% failure rate uh, is studied for. And the things that happened later were actually things that started earlier. So they were a lot of examples where the entrepreneur didn't know about DDQ or EGS or any of these things. And they get to the point where they're ready to sell and they can't just make it up. Uh, they, you can't just go backwards and put that in. And so they weren't able to sell or, you know, they had a valuation issue or they didn't structure their company right or the cap table was too busy or, you know, there was so many things, but it seemed like the first year was the most critical year for the survival of the company moving forward. But that first year is, you know, largely, you know, incubator, accelerator, exit, right? So incubator comes in or maybe they get straight into an accelerator and when they're in the accelerator, they get uh, bombed with so much information, right? So it's like drinking out of a fire hose. They have, they have mentors talking to them. They have the investors talking. They have people inside of the accelerator talking to them. So they're trying to figure out and sort out what they need to do right now versus what they can do later, but they're told it's all at the same time. And so one of the, when you ask that question, one of the things was the uh, one of the big, the biggest thing actually um, was bad advice. And it came from a lot of mentors and investors primarily. Um, so one of the things I tell entrepreneurs is I'm like, listen, you, you need to look at the person that you're taking advice from before you take the advice. Because there was a lot of like one hit wonders in there, you know, so somebody got lucky and sold a company um, or a lot, a lot, a lot of people trying to sell them services. So their primary interest in giving advice to the entrepreneur, had, it was connected to accounting services, consulting services, uh, you know, um, legal services on it, on and on and on. So they need to make sure that the person that they're talking to has the background to provide the advice. And there isn't just one mentor. There's subject matter expert mentors and functional area mentors, you know, so somebody that specializes in sales, uh, taking advice about sales from somebody that specializes in legal, you know what I mean? So you need to really be careful about who you take advice from and make sure that you put them, put them in the different uh, categories, you know, for the kind of advice you want. You, br you brushed up on some, some touchy subjects for me yeah. here because I'll probably, I, and for, I'm not going to say trigger warning, but maybe I just did. Cause you know, one thing that drives me crazy is, and I agree with everything you're saying is I find that a lot of these, uh, incubator, uh, you know, type settings and stuff like that, you end up with a bunch of people that aren't entrepreneurs trying to tell you how to be an entrepreneur. And so common, I gotta man. be honest, man, like I'm not listening. And that's why I get in trouble. Like, I mean, I really have got myself in trouble for saying shit. Like if you're not an entrepreneur, I don't want your fucking advice about entrepreneurship. So don't uh, give it, Yeah, you know? And like, some people are like, well, you should be open. You should want to hear. No, I don't. I still don't. I yeah. don't care. You can be mad at me and you can hate me for that opinion. I don't care until you've woken up at two in the morning and wonder what it's like to feel like you could go broke. Maybe that you've gone crazy or that every decision you've made is wrong or all of them. Yeah. And you don't have perspective on what drives the thought process of an entrepreneur. Yeah, so, absolutely. And, yeah. and they don't have the, the, the mental emotional experience attached to it. Right. It, when you're an entrepreneur, like you said, you know, it's like 
every day, you know, you go through depression and elated happiness five, 15 times a day, right? It's like up and down, up and down, up all day, especially in the early days. You know, you're like, I'm fucking crazy. I'm fucking, no, 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 I got to, I'm onto something here. Oh, fucking crazy. I'm onto something. You know, it's just nuts. I'm going to send you, I I actually made some t-shirts that just say founder across them. And it actually has a man or a woman riding a roller coaster. going head like straight down hair blowing way back and you know that is what it doesn't get easier man like i'm on the 13th one and i've invested in 14 and every single time it's the same deal it doesn't matter it it doesn't matter how much money you have it's a mind game yep (laughs) you know so, really? so with that, you know, you, and you clearly got into the, the study of this. I really appreciate your, your diligence and, and, and going and talking to that many people I've been doing a, that's what I mentioned before we hit record. People keep asking me if I'm going to write a fourth book. Cause I have been quietly and secretly studying what makes people do genius stuff uh-huh, for cool. years now. And, you know, maybe I will write a book, but I'm at that like huge number of conversations about it. And, you know, and it's like sometimes people that do genius stuff, like there's a lot of uh, misperception about what a genius is. A genius is not someone that hits the target every time. It's someone that hits the target that no one knew was there. No, that's, and, that's, that's yeah. true. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned seeing me, the world a little differently. And that's, I mean, that's a key ingredient is yeah. I, I think. That's a really good perspective. I mean, for me, it was like, you know, I was like sitting here going, I've done this 12 times. And then I'm looking at the the mistakes that are that are keep reoccurring and keep reoccurring. And I'm like, man, it, it, nobody's going to do anything about this. Fuck, I'm going to do something about it. Right. So right. I said, I'm going to start out by studying. I interviewed Navy SEALs. I interviewed uh, fighter pilots, the first fighting wing. I interviewed CIA agents, smoke jumpers, SWAT teams. I mean, I went nuts, right? I was I was uh, in war rooms, uh, you know, at Camp Pendleton, uh, watching war gaming, and I was really trying to figure out how these super high performing teams that have to be so agile still stay on track, right? So I was I had that data. I had Boss, which stands for the Business Operating Support System, which was what I used for my own stuff. That it was kind of secret until I wrote the book. And then uh, all the failure stuff and I overlaid them over each other. Right. And I was like, okay, so if you're at this point and the common mistakes are these, here is something you can do to counteract, you know, that because a lot of the entrepreneurs I found out they were in a minefield and they didn't know they were in a minefield, let alone that they were standing on a mine. And they're just like that, you know, walking through the, you know, walking through this situation. And I was, I couldn't take it. I was like, I've been doing this so long. I was like, I'm just going to, Tell them everything I know. That's how it all started. I was just talking at uh, at universities. Well, so much of this podcast has been built around that and like this firm belief. So we started this and, you know, my business partner and often co-host, Matt Watson, who's been a very successful entrepreneur himself. You know, we said, hey, man, we this five years ago. So we should do a podcast. And he was like, about what? And I was like. I don't know. What do you have in mind? He's like, well, we shouldn't do it about being successful because that's boring. Let's do it. And I was like, dude, let's just lay it on people. You know, yeah. and, and so we said we like to tell the real story of entrepreneurship and literally come right out of the episode two, which episode one was just an overview of what we were going to do. Episode two was titled Getting Funded Sucks. 
So oh, yeah. we came out of the box hot on that one. You talk about something that'll help you that'll help you learn about failure pretty quickly. And let's kind of let's let's move forward. Let's delve into the, okay. the failure thing. So, well, first off, you've been highly successful. How do you handle failure? I mean, I'll tell you that um, you know a lot of small failures have led to the successes that everybody that seems to resonate with people. You know, they look at like these big transactions and they say, you know, whoa, this guy was successful, but there was been a lot of tripping and hitting your toes and, and falling down and getting up and taking a beating before that. But the, I, I've lost my first investment. I had, I had a hundred percent track record, which was unheard of. And I lost my first deal in COVID. And I have to admit that I learned more about uh, the study of failure, which has consumed my life since 2016. Uh, specifically as it re relates to entrepreneurship. I learned more in that um, three-month period of time, you know, shutting that thing down and winding it down and dealing with the, all the shareholders and stuff than I did on any of the successful stuff. So your point that you brought up earlier is dead on, right? I mean, it's it's uh, when you're faced with the, the emotional blindness that you have can cause you to not learn from um, the logical, you know, data points that actually happened. You know, I mean, it was for me, uh, I mean, I went through depression. I went through all of the, uh, you know, all the different moods. Um, it's painful. You know, I lost a million five on the deal. Um, you know, the founder lied to me about what he had. Uh, you know, it was, it, it was a disaster, <laughs> you know, but I learned a lot about the whole thing from a founder's perspective and from an investor's perspective, you know? Well, I'm actually glad you got that monkey off your back because, you know, no one throws perfect games in entrepreneurship. And, you know, there's a lot of I, my experiences have run into a lot of younger founders or newer founders, we should say, like they're young to entrepreneurship. And, you know, they haven't really experienced a failure yet. And those are the investments that I stay away from. Because I think you have a feeling of, and I even wrote about this in my book, Million Dollar Bedroom, like until I really like got kicked in the nuts, yeah. I didn't know what it felt like to get kicked in the nuts. So I felt pretty bulletproof. And, yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. It took, it took that it's it, entrepreneurship is remarkably humbling. And, mm. you know, you mentioned like, you know, feeling like you're good at stuff and, and all of that. I think that that's part of that realization that, you know, you mentioned having some failures during COVID, my company full scale, our, our, uh, our timeline split in half by this pandemic. And, mm. you know, about three or four months into the pandemic, my wife was like, you seem to be handling this really well. I'm like, I've been an entrepreneur for a long time. This is just a, a little bigger problem than the rest of them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what's one thing I can guarantee that you're going to have as an entrepreneur problems and future failure. Does that mean that means the whole enterprise is going to fail? No. Now, one of the things that I, I think that you mentioned, people look at these top level achievements and they don't, you know, the, I, I, now my, I've too many blatant book plugs here, but in my book, Balance Me, I talk about achievement is this just collection of these little tiny check marks and random wins yeah, and just sure. tiny shit. It's like, so like I use the example in the book, a lot, a lot, a common goal in life for people is to buy a house. 
buying a house isn't a singular act. There's like 70 million things that need to go into helping, helping that occur. And there's a lot of stuff that can derail it. A lot of stuff that can put it back on track. And I think the business and entrepreneurship are the same way. And, you know, you're going to win some and you're going to lose some. I think if you're not failing, you're probably not trying enough stuff. Yeah. I mean, you have to push, you have to push pretty hard. I mean, like I can tell you that in the study, it was, there's, it's, it would take me too long to go over all the data. So it, I mean, we looked at like tens of thousands of articles and I mean, it was a massive, massive thing. Just a mountain of data. Was, How long did that take, by the way? Um, it took three years to get all the data and then we've been unpacking it for two. So, okay. you know, but the problem is some of it changes, right? So yep. like when COVID happened, a lot of the data kind of went up. You're like, oh man, I got to start this shit all over again because yep. everything's all fucked up. Yep. And then, you know, this last, this little hiccup we're in right now where, uh, you know, the investors got a little, bit, well, I mean, not a little, they get way crazy on the valuations and you know, kind of turned everything upside down on us again. They don't seem to learn that lesson, um, no. you know, changed the data a lot. But when you look at the data, the, the, the pattern, this reoccurring, like if you were to look at it in a line graph, right? These reoccurring things, they, they come up over and over and over. Um, I can tell you some of the ones that are, that I think people should be aware of. That first one, bad advice. You got to really pay attention to who you're talking to and you have to look at their background and you have to make sure that not even, even if they have a really good background, you're talking to somebody like me or you, and you're talking about, you know, I don't know, demand generation or content marketing. Maybe we're not the right person to talk to. If you're talking about the cap table, maybe you should talk to somebody that specializes in the cap table. So when I say bad advice, it doesn't mean uh, I don't mean that in a broad sense. I mean that in a detailed sense, right? Take advice from people that are specialists in that area, right? That's the one of the big things. Another one that comes up like over and over again are they hire the wrong people for at the beginning, right? So usually, and, and this is where the investor's advice comes in, right? Uh, I found a, a abnormal amount of data supporting the fact that the investor's are telling the entrepreneurs, you need to go out and get yourself a, a, a really high end, you know, go to market person or a, a really, really a, CA, a CRO from, you know, Adobe or something like that. That's the wrong person in a startup. You, you need somebody that's going to roll up their sleeves and do, you need a wild card. You need the somebody Swiss, to do Swiss army knives, not swords. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. Right. I mean, but yep. it's, it's to us, it's like, makes sense, right? You're sitting there going, yeah, I need, if you're a founder and you've done it before, you know what you need, right? You need somebody that you're like, hey, I need this right now. Go make this list. Go do this research. Pitch this guy. Do Give me a pitch deck. You know, I need a spreadsheet on this or whatever, right? Go figure this out, you know, kind of stuff. Um, and uh, and they a lot of times they hire people that have the background, but they didn't they don't understand that those people actually built their entire background on the backs of other people that were actually doing the real work. And that was another big failure point. I mean, this happens, you know, it's so common, I can't even tell you. And it it seems, you know, sort of ridiculous, right? But it's it happens all the time. Yep. <laughs> really, really common. 
Uh, I've done a little research on this myself, and you talk about finding experts. And before I give you my findings, finding expert software developers doesn't have to be difficult, especially when you visit FullScale.io, where you can build a software team quickly and affordably. You can use the FullScale platform to define your technical needs and then see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team. Visit FullScale.io to learn more. There are a bunch of links down there on this show, people. You can find GregoryShepard.com. You can find Boss Capital Partners, Boss Startup Science, and man, and for someone that okay, I love I love the depth that you've gotten into that. And I'll ask you, I'll save the question for later. I want you to think about it. Are you obsessed or are you driven? Um, but all right. So in regards to using failure, we actually did a Matt Watson and I did a couple episodes about this because obviously the the failure epidemic. Um, is a real thing. And yes, we, we immediately crossed off, ran out of money because that's why all businesses usually fail mm-hmm. in the end. But one of the things that we came up with was as, as a top reason was they just simply had a poor product market fit mm-hmm. for what they had built. Like you had founders, people or investors that had grossly overestimated the true utilitarian need for what they were trying to launch and what they were trying to do, or they were just aiming it at like the wrong people or so much of that. Mm-hmm. Another thing we found that, and I'm real adamant, I was working on because I'm, I'm giving a speech here on how to scale your, uh, your startup sales. And one of the things that I, I noticed, and this is back to that incubator and accelerator mentality is a lot of these businesses, they get wrapped up in that. They just, they, they, they feel like their purpose as startups is to raise money or get investors mm-hmm. or to build the product mm-hmm. when, and they don't spend any or enough time figuring out how to sell it until mm-hmm. later. And the problem is, is like now they get a couple years down the road and you run into times like now where venture capital seizes up a little bit. And you know what, Greg, they do not, the VCs do not have enough discipline to sit on those checkbooks for too long, but no. they're sitting on them right now. All right. Mm-hmm. So with that, all of a sudden you're like, if you can't show revenue and growth, then you can't show much. And mm-hmm. eventually that dries up in a hurry. You know, mm-hmm. like how much money are you going to throw at this? You know, do you spend billions to generate millions or any of that? You know, and, and that's, you know, I think that the companies, they just get, they get so obsessed with the product that they don't take enough time to figure out, Hey, should we try and sell something? So what, so this is what I, this is what I, I tell entrepreneurs, like the ones in my portfolio and the ones that I talk to after whatever speaking event or something like that. I tell them, I say, I have this process that I say, you have to understand your ecosystem, right? So if you think about the world of entrepreneurship as a universe and in the universe are galaxies and in the galaxies are solar systems with planets, this is like the makeup, right? So your ecosystem is your galaxy and that galaxy has sun, planets, moons, you know, things that you have to be aware of. So when you learn your ecosystem, then you have to figure out where you are in that ecosystem and what's around you. So the first thing I tell them is I say, find out everything about your ecosystem and then figure out where you are in that ecosystem. Then the next thing is find what I call industry, uh, industry advisory board. So these are people that specialize in the different areas of the ecosystem and you get them to tell you about their perspective of what you're doing from their perspective, right? From where they are in the ecosystem. 
some of it's helpful. Some of it, one person may say, yeah, this is never going to work. And the other person says, oh, this is the best thing I've ever seen. But that's what you want to get. Then after that, you get a user advisory board or a customer advisory board, right? And those people, you start talking to them about your product real, real early. Like, hey, I have this idea. I want to do this. What do you think? They'll be really open to you. And then later on, if they become customers taking this journey with you, you have validation. If you don't have validation, then you shouldn't keep moving, right? <laughs> you should stop until somebody, until the people that are your future customers, at least those that have gone through the journey with you become a customer, right? If that happens, then, then you have a certain level of validation. Then you take the next level of validation, which is to see if those ones that haven't gone down the journey with you are willing to um, buy your product. And then you can start investing into your go-to-market. To me, people jump right into the go-to-market before they validate their position in the ecosystem uh, or validate their position with the customer. You know, and I think that's that when you look at the data, you see this like all over. You'll see like um, the entrepreneur come in. There's a lot of scenarios where you see the entrepreneur come in and they don't understand where they are in the ecosystem. So they, they get hit by things they don't see coming. You know, a law passes you know, or some trade group is moving in on something or the whole industry is about to change, you know, stuff like that. They don't see it. And then it just shuts them down. Uh, the other thing that happens is, and that's the industry advisory group kind of gives you that awareness, you know, of what's happening in your, you know, there's a storm cloud coming. You need to watch out, right? Um, like forecast kind of, of weather conditions, if you will. And then with the user advisory board, these people will give you perspective. The, the common thing with the point that you're talking about that reoccurred about 90, I can't remember the exact, it's like 92 point something, seven, eight percent, I think, was the entrepreneurs are creating their vision and they have to realize that your vision is what gets it going, but your customer's feedback is what keeps it going. So a lot of these entrepreneurs, you know, they keep trying to build their vision instead of like building a little tiny bit of it and then going to customers and being accepting the fact that the customer's perspective may change your vision completely. And you have to be okay with that. You know, you have to be okay with that. And a lot of people use this thing. Well, Steve Jobs said, uh, you know, customers don't know what they want until you give it to them. Well, to a certain extent, <laughs> but that's a, a, a very, uh, a micro, uh, approach, right? When he did the iPhone, he had already done an iPad. He already had the, the Apple systems. He knew that people wanted a mobile device with internet, email, um, and music on it, right? And so it, was, it wasn't that they didn't know what they wanted. They told him what they wanted, and then he put it together for them. But that's, that's an example of, of another area of failure that I think you spotted, you were spot on about, is that whole product market fit thing, which is Kind of an overused term that is should not be in one simple stage right there's so many little pieces that lead up to that you know well it's some some of the the subcategories and actually i don't want to miss this so i have a sub comment to everything you just said and that cool. i thought you're spot on there one of the things that i find when i talk to anybody that's seeking advice or mentoring, you know, I'll suggest that they go just find someone else that's done it and ask them. And then they're afraid to ask. Yeah. I, look, I just want to tell everyone listening that, on, that no one will try to help another entrepreneur out more than an entrepreneur. 
For and sure. There's this weird like thing. And so I, I, you know, I'm old now. I'm almost, I'm three years away from 50. And, and with that, I look back at so many people that took interest in me, took time. They just took a minute to give a shit. And yeah. I feel this need to do the same for others. And I yeah, think that that's it, out there. Right? But it just, it, but look, if you, there's two things. If you don't ask, people aren't going to just come be like, hey, Matt, you know, uh, I heard you're an entrepreneur. Can I help you out? That's not how it works. And then, you know, because it, it's not. And you really, and you need, and then the next part of that is when you ask, you need to make it easy for people to help you. And I think that the mistake that people make, and I, I know you get, hey, Greg, Gregory, can I buy you a cup of coffee and pick your brain? <laughs> yeah, you get those, like, no, you say. cannot. Because yeah. I have better shit to do than take 30 minutes to drive to where you're at. Hope you've got something to say. This is how that should go. Hey, Gregory, I would love to get your input on what I'm doing. I know you're really busy. You give me the place and you give me the time and I'll be there. Tell me yeah. how much time I got and I will come to you. I'll make it if it's three in the morning or three in the afternoon, I will make it as easy as possible yeah. for you to help me. If you make it easy for people to help you, you will get more help from people. And then yeah. I think that the, you have an outstanding point. So you talk about failure. You are not failing when someone gives you critical advice and you realize that you need to change lanes or just do something different. You have to have an open mind. So I get these people that want me to give them advice and dude, at this point, I've gotten so much of the same shit. It, like yeah. they get mad at me because I'm not telling them what they want. I'm actually doing you a huge service by being honest with you about what you are getting yourself into. Like I will start a conversation. Okay. First off, do you have, I get it. Your idea. We'll talk about your idea in a minute. Are you prepared to be an entrepreneur? Are you prepared to yeah. go broke? Are you prepared to make nothing? Are you prepared to live a very stressful existence? Are you prepared to drop your personal life to have to go put out fires at your business? And do you have the right support structure and people around you to make that happen? A hundred percent. Like I tell and if them, you I don't, go, don't start it because yeah. it's going to really suck. Yeah. I tell it's them gonna really time, suck. Like, it, it's like this, like if it's like walking into the ring, if you box it, right? It, everything outside is all hype and training and fun. When you walk into the ring, you get the first punch in the face. That's when reality hits you. And a lot of entrepreneurs can't even handle the first punch and let alone that that's going to be that way for like five years. You're going to get punched. No. You're going to be beaten raw, right? I mean, and your wife and your husband and your kids and your partner and everybody, everybody that's in your life is going to pay with you. You know, yep. you're in a, you know, sometimes even now, you know, and I've, I made a lot of money, you know, and even now, you know, I come out of my office and my wife's like, oh my God, you need to go smoke a joint because this is just, <laughs> you, I can't even deal with you right now. You yeah. know, it's just it's, like a fucking, you know, it's like, I come you, out and it's like, oh, you know. By the way, one of you talking about boxing and getting in the rings, one, getting in the ring. One of our favorite quotes here on this show is from Mike Tyson, who said, everybody had a plan until they got punched in the face. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And, and he's right. You know, and that's, and, and that's what you're going to deal with now. You know, you talk about like the, so you've spent a lot of time researching certain things. And like, for me, one I, personality styles is something that early in my career, this is talking 20 years ago, I, cause I was having a really hard time dealing with specific types of people uh -huh. that weren't, that, well, either they were just like me and either they were like 
we were super close or we wanted to kill each other. Right. And then more of the type B people, I would have a tendency to kind of, uh, uh, you know, run them over. And I yeah. wanted to learn how to not deal with that. But I will tell you right now that there are certain types of, of people and personality types that are a little more made for entrepreneurship. Like if I take a personality assessment, it will literally say entrepreneur, CEO, leader, promoter, you know, stuff like that, where mm. my wife, on the other hand, is the opposite personality style. And people are like, well, how are you married to someone with the opposite personality style? She's the only person that put up with me. <laughs> right? She's got it. She's introverted. She's got to be a good listener to be around me. And she's also kind of like you said, like, smoke a joint, chill out. Like, yeah. sometimes I need that, like, calming side of things. But, but you know, there are definitely certain personality types that are going to handle the failure sure. a little bit differently. Have you found the same thing? Yeah. I mean, I studied this a lot because I was trying to build, you know, we're building this platform for entrepreneurs that provide free education um, that underlines, you know, we I spent a lot of money on this, trying to create a, a place for them to go that's free where they can take classes and, and stuff with real legit stuff, like 20 minutes, like boom, micro learning, you know, and a lot of the, the part of that I've been studying recently is like the behavior characteristics of an entrepreneur. Like, are they, you know, so I've looked at Myers-Briggs and, and uh, Kairos and, you know, probably 30 of these uh, personality assessment tools. And the main thing is, is that they are, they meet, you're, you are a, a typical entrepreneur, right? I mean, short attention span, really super driven, super focused, has the ability to do multiple things, listen to multiple things and think about multiple things at the same time, able to move from task to task without losing their, where they were before, extreme organizational skills, like incredible organizational skills, time management, the ability to prioritize uh, which things they work on first and which things they work on last. Um, and the ability to work with multiple different types of personalities and basically mold yourself to those personalities. So for like with me growing up with autism, you know, I uh, have a hard time with people's personalities. So what I got good at is mirroring, just acting like them, you know, and I still do that today, but that's a good way to sort of man manage personalities to see their personality and then say, okay, kind of reach homostasis, right? So somebody's really outgoing and then you sort of bring down the tone. Somebody's really uh, not as, you know, let's say expressive or motivational or, or inspirational as you want them to be. And then you raise it up a little bit. And it's constantly like the old school equalizers, you know, where you're sort of like tuning to the personality you're with. It's fascinating. So, well, a couple of things you mentioned my own personality self, some of that stuff was spot on and some of it actually was way off. Really? Um, I, really? Yeah. So I am like a 99 out of a hundred for drive. Yeah. And, and so there's a few things that come with that is, well, first off, I, failure just kind of bounces off of me. I'm kind of like, Hey, cool. Let's try again. Let's try again. Yeah. Let's try yeah. again. So there's almost like a stubborn repetition that comes mm. with that. Um, and now, but I am not organized at all. Like I am a, a, now on the flip side of that, I actually, like, if you came to my house or my office, like it's not a train wreck, yeah. but personally, like I, like I have like eight folders on my desktop that somewhere in those are the files or things that I need. 
Interesting. But they are not, yeah, you have somebody that helps you. I do. I do. Yeah, so so you, the, I think the okay. thing that was a key for me was finding, you got to figure out the stuff that you're going to, you know, you're going to fail at and try to find people that won't. Yeah. You have it. Yeah, you can you cure failure. Yeah, you can cure failure. There is a cure for failure. It's called oh, totally, yeah. finding people that are going to do the stuff that you do really poorly and that they'll do it really well. Yeah. It's like a crutch, right? So yeah. if you're hurt, you use a crutch. If you have, yeah. your, if you're missing your legs, you use a wheelchair. There's tools out there that yeah. help you. Right. I'm the same way. But I you use- have to, you have to admit it. It's kind of like the minefield comment. It's like, or, or alcoholism or something. If you don't admit or know you have a problem and that you, that you're not good at stuff uh, and people get real, you know, you talk about the kind of misjudging personality types or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I'm so candid, like I'll piss people off. They're like, Hey, I'm having a hard time not drinking. It's pretty easy. You just need to not drink. And people are like, what do you mean? In the end, that really is the decision, <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. it doesn't measure all the crap that went into it. I, I, you know, so I get myself in trouble with the more empathetic people in, in my life. Um, yeah. yeah. I want to talk a little bit about that, but as we're, we're approaching the end here, I want to uh, remind everyone that if you need to hire software engineers, testers, or leaders, full scale can help. We have the people and the platform to help you build and manage a team of experts. When you visit fullscale.io, all you need to do is answer a few questions and then let our platform match you up with our fully vetted, highly experienced team of software engineers, testers, and leaders. At Fullscale, we specialize in building long term teams that only work for you. Learn more when you visit fullscale.io. Once again, with me today, I've got Gregory Shepard, who is a super entrepreneur and research fanatic, man. You know, that's a, um, I found that if you want to, and this is where I kind of want to kind of round this episode out, is I think a lot of people fail because they don't take upon themselves to be the expert. Like you talk about, like I had 15,000 conversations or whatever. Like, I mean, there are certain things when it comes to expertise and understanding that just take time. That's why I say you you gain masters and kind of guru status in five, 10, 15,000 hours, but you got to get to work on the hours. And I think a lot of people want, they're not passionate about the problem they're wanting to solve, which leads to them. That's another thing I think that that creates a lot of failure is if you're not passionate about it, then you might not be dumb enough to get back up off the mat and go back in. Yeah. You know? And, True, yeah. and, you know, so there's that, you know, I asked earlier, like, are you obsessed or are you driven? It depends I'm, who you ask. Yeah. If you ask me, I'm driven as hell. My wife would say I'm obsessed, yeah. but it's that, it's that kind of like, now look, here's the, the, there is a downside to that because often the other things in your life go ignored. Yeah. And and that's why you run into a lot of entrepreneurs that end up with relationship problems that end up with a lot of different things because we're hyper obsessed with like this mm-hmm. and people in your outside life don't like competing with that. So they start to feel like a failure. And, you know, so I guess what I ask is like out of, you know, creating all these businesses, doing all this amazing stuff that you're doing, have you managed to figure out a way to not fail at the other things that aren't related to business? I'll tell you this, um, since I was 18, I have chosen one thing every year personal to focus on, right? So marathons and uh, I climbed El Capitan. This year I'm swimming a a swim marathon, swimming around an island three times. Um, At the beginning of the year, I couldn't even swim one lap. So what I do is I choose what what I call anchors, right? So there's a personal anchor, there's a family anchor, there's an educational anchor, and there's a business anchor. 
And I, I say to myself, I just use one thing, one thing, right? So for example, I like this year, it's the swimming, right? So I started in December, I choose my birthday. I started in December and I was like, okay, I'm going to do the swimming thing. And all year, I only do that one thing. The, the problem comes in when you have, when you're an entrepreneur and you have multiple things going on is that you just can't do all of them. So you have to choose very carefully, choose one thing, focus on that. Right. And for me, the other thing is that I think is true and it's unfortunate, but it is true. The business is going to come before your family. You can say emotionally that you care about your family more, but in reality, your, your business is going to come. You're going to choose your business over your family. And that's because you think that by doing that, you're choosing your family because you're trying to support them and you're trying to provide for them and you want a better future for them and all that sort of stuff. But if your family's not okay with that, then you're going to have problems. You know? Yeah, well, that's, I mean, I've given so much credit for being a successful entrepreneur to my wife, who is remarkably yes. patient. Like, yeah. God bless you, Jill. Like, I'm not a religious person, but God bless you, you know? So it's yeah. like, but the, that, I mean, there really is, uh, you know, I, I, I often will find myself apologizing. People are like, what's it like to be married to Matt? I'm like, it's terrible. You would not want to be married to me. Like, it requires extreme levels of patience that, superhuman people like have struggle with, but you know, that, I mean, that's, but, but that's been a big thing. And I, it's also enabled me to feel comfortable when you talk about sometimes, okay. So without my business, all right, I've made a lot of money too, right? We can put that out there. I think that was known for listeners and, but my, but the business continues to provide for my family and I don't want it to just die on the vine. That would be a terrible thing. So yeah, without it, it does create nine other layers of problems. And the thing that I've learned is if I go and solve the problems that, that my business is causing that keep me up at night, I'm able to be a lot more present in, in that life because it's not calling me. It's yeah, that true. obsession. Yeah. It gets you know, like, so I, when you have money, but it doesn't go away. Well, sure. But money, <laughs> there's, hey, mo money, more pro, mo problems. You know, I mean, that's true. kind of, and there, there's a true nature to that, but you know, money isn't going to fix, isn't going to fix your absentia from right. other people's stuff. And that's really the main issue that comes up now, you know, with that, you know, as mentioned, if, you know, it, it, so you, you talk about these anchors that you mentioned in my book, Balance Me, I talk, I compare the three P's, your personal, professional, and physical life. We mm -hmm. all have a different balance for that. Like yeah. what makes you happy is going to probably be a little different for me. But the one thing that is known is that if you completely ignore any of those three categories, it's going to come back to claim it's due balance. Meaning like if you, all you do is professional work, 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 then your professional and your physical life are going to fall apart. Yeah. And, and go try to run your business when you're in the hospital because you had a heart attack or yes. when you're going through a divorce or any of that. So yeah. you got to, you know, be aware of that and sometimes spin plates. I think that's probably one of the qualities of an, of an entrepreneur, people like ask me, what do you do? And if I'm feeling amused or, or funny or something, I'm like, well, I spin plates. What do you mean? I run around and spin plates. Cause if I don't, they start to wobble and they fall and they break. And that's bad. Yeah. People are like, what are you talking about, dude? You don't spin plates. Well, I kind of do. So got, I think of it like you're juggling balls and you have to just keep juggling and juggling. To, there's some in or the chainsaws, air. right? Like the yeah, chainsaws. Yeah. I feel like that's a little more relative to like my life on yeah. some days. Like if I drop a ball, it might bounce. If I drop a fucking chainsaw, it might cut my foot off. Yeah. So I mean, who I knows? Entrepreneurs like 
I think it's, it's, you, you have to be tough to go through it and you have to be willing to go through it. So you have to choose something that you're willing to sacrifice things for. Like for me right now, it's other entrepreneurs, right? Having gone through it, um, you know, for 30 years and 12 companies plus the investments and stuff, it's, I, I look back and I say to myself, man, this shouldn't be this fucking hard. It, these people are making the same mistakes that the last person made and the person before that and the person before that. And I'm like, that, that doesn't need to happen. They can make other mistakes. That's fine. But the same mistake over and over again is just insane. You know, that is literally the definition of insanity. Now, you know, as we are at, we are out of time, Gregory, I feel like I could talk to you for like five more hours and maybe we'll do that again. But yeah, you know, I like to end my shows and I say my shows, I'm not the only host of the show. Make sure you tune in for Matt Watson's episodes where Matt primarily talks to technical people. T tune in with Andrew Morgans, who will help you learn how to sell more stuff on Amazon and e-commerce. And then Lauren Conaway, the founder of Innovate Her, who talks about all the stuff I'm afraid to talk about. But I end my shows with what I call the Founders Freestyle, where I give my founder guests, and only founder guests, if you're not a founder, I don't give you this opportunity, but you know, you get, you get the mic here. You can say anything you want. I have had people do everything from rap to sing to just give good advice or talk about what they like from today's show. Um, you know, as you give any founder advice on the way out, Gregory, what would you like to say before I take the mic and, and drop some knowledge to? I can tell you that uh, one of the keys for me has been meditation. I know it sounds silly, but it is very key. It, it helps you sort of, it's like, I think of it as the old school defragmentation of the old uh, DOS hardware, right? So I, I do defragmentation when I meditate. That's to me a, a, a really big deal. Still your thoughts and think of, and pay attention to what comes up. I think for the meditation stuff, that's sometimes, you know, it's Buddhists say, just sit. It's sometimes good to just kind of slow things down. I, one of the things I have the hardest, people will say to me, they'll be like, man, you're an ideas guy. I'm like, yeah, it sucks. They're like, what do you mean, man? You got all these great ideas. I'm like, yeah, I can't slow them down. They're rattling around in my head. I'm trying to sleep. Like I didn't sleep last night. Like I have a real problem with that. I legitimately did not sleep last night. And, yeah. and the sad thing is that's normal for me and I hate it. I hate it. So it's not always, it's not always great. Now, you know, for my, for my freestyle on the way out, I think the thing that I really want to, you know, since we've been talking about failure and different ways to handle it, I think if you go into it, understanding that you're going to fail, it makes it easier to, I, and also don't take it personally. You know, like I, I think that if you are go, so many founders that I talk to want advice about raising capital and they seem so terribly afraid to mention the things that they're not good at, the things that they failed at, all that. And I think you should wear it on your sleeve. Go in and you, I think if you have that sophisticated an understanding of where your organization has shortcomings, how you're going to fix them, what you need to fix them, who's going to fix them, all, how much it costs to fix them, you're going to find that investors and people that deal in the entrepreneur and startup space are going to be so overwhelmingly happy to hear what you have to say, as opposed to the person who consistently and never has any problems. I've got it all figured out. I never fail. Fuck you. We all fail. And that's really how it how it happens, you know? And like, I don't know, I, I you're going to fail. Just deal with it accordingly, get up and do it again. And if you're, re if you're not ready to get up and do it again, then it's time to quit, go get a job.
Agreed. Was that maybe a good way to was that maybe a good way to end this episode? Yeah, I think you can just drop the mic and walk the fuck out. I'm gonna do it. Yeah. Either either learn to deal with failure as an entrepreneur or go get a job. I'm out. Yeah. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.